my name is Adam Canal, and I am a collaborative composer. Join me in the search for a career in classical music. This is the Making Noise Podcast. Thumbs up. I love that. I love that. I have to say right off the bat, uh, two things is your um, professionalism with corresponding via email spot on. I was like, so uh, we can get into that a little bit more. And then the second thing I want to say is what just happened? Like, so for everyone listening uh, and watching this podcast, when this is published, of course, but uh, Alinea was so kind to use their Zoom account so that we can have as much time as we want to do this podcast. So those two things are off the bat. Thank you. Adam, it's, it's awesome that you bring up uh, the emails. Robbie has largely been running our, our email department. <laughs> but that was, that was actually one of the things that we were really careful and intentional about when reaching out to composers for everything but the kitchen sink was I sat down and I wrote, I think, 20 individual emails to composers. Mm-hmm. Um, we got 19 yeses, one who we never managed to schedule time with and one who said no. But it was like everybody's was a personal note from us about why we like the music and why we wanted them on the podcast. So the whole professional email has actually been a really big part of how like how we make connections, how we build what we do is reaching out with a level of professionalism to say, trust us, we know what we're doing, even if we really usually don't. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is, is, is I think more often than not, you in everything in life, it's like you fake it till you make it. You know, and like, like, like with performing, for example, that first time you get on stage and you go to perform, it's like the hand is shaking and like, you know, you prepare as much as you can. But once you're out there, you don't know what it's like until you're out there. So um, absolutely. That's that's amazing. And I got to say, yeah, Robbie, kudos to you, man, um, for for the, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, it's so funny seeing you all do that because your your mics are muted, but it makes sense. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so so let's let's jump back a little bit. Let's jump back a little bit with uh, how you all came to be. Who who let's let's who is the who is that Emma and Matt in Zanak and Liggety story? <laughs> Emma, that's me. Um... <laughs> So our bass player who isn't here, Matt, I love telling this story because, well, you'll see. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We, me and Matt were taking a Xenakis and Ligeti theory class at New England Conservatory where we all, almost all of us met. And um, we heard, oh gosh, I always forget what the piece is called. (laughs) Which piece is it? Someone help me. Uh, it was the string piece, oh, right? Oh, ramif- ramifications. ramifications. We heard yeah. ramifications, and me and Matt were like, whoa, why haven't we heard this before? Why has nobody ever played this? How can we play this? And, I mean, this was Ligeti, so it's not even close to what we're actually playing right now. And this was during our third year of college at NEC, and we were like, where's this been? Like, uh, so I think... At the end of that year, we kind of just started grabbing people and talking to Tyler and Robbie and Alex and just talking about how we could make something, uh, make 
a place for us to be able to perform music that we wanted to play at our school, which didn't completely exist without a lot of our own effort to um, do extra things. And yeah, so that was the piece that started it was listening to um, Ramifications. That's fantastic. I It's funny hearing people when you ask them about how they got into new music, because it's such a it's such a niche thing, you know, and there's always like one piece that they heard. <laughs> For me, it was um, uh, uh, Threnody, like a lot of people. And it was more like one of those things where um, I heard it and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, like, but also, um, uh, why would someone, how, how does someone come to the point where they're writing this, you know? in like an analytical sort of way but so that's that's amazing to hear with Ligeti and I'm I'm not surprised to hear that either because Ligeti is like whoo beautiful man beautiful music um was there anyone in the ensemble who you had to kind of twist their arm a little bit to try to get them to be a part of it nah we all we all kind of left the page yeah <laughs> it was interesting we were so Emma and Matt were outside a restaurant here in Boston called Ginger Exchange after a concert I had sung my sophomore year. And they, they were talking, they go, hey, if we started a new music ensemble, would you join? And I was like, what kind, what kind of question is this? Yes, of course. And thinking <laughs> nothing of it, thinking like, oh yeah, that'll be cool when that happens. Um, and then, you know, six months later we had our first concert and I was like, oh, they weren't kidding. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh snuck up on you there yeah yeah that's 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 amazing right there is another example too like that forthrightedness i don't even know if it's a freaking word honestly but um to just like come out and be like hey you want to join this thing with us is a great example of what you did with this podcast um so if we can kind of like pivot forward a little bit or or, or no let's let's kind of keep this past so when exactly did this start when did your ensemble start? Like what uh, year and everything? Starting 2019. Yeah, I mean, it's we're getting kind of into semantics here, but I mean, we most of us played, um, fittingly enough, Ligeti, um, like spring 2018. No, 2019. I'm sorry, spring 2019. You're right. Um, we did Nouvelle Aventure with. Um, pretty much the most most of us and then like a few other people who uh were into it and um that was kind of our first experience putting something uh kind of crazy together um we weren't like as an ensemble yet um by name but we we enjoyed that experience so much so this is kind of after after matt and emma's class and then gathering people who were interested and we kind of did this and then over the summer of 2019 we were kind of like yeah why don't we you know see if we can actually form something here and, and do some some stuff on our own and then we came back um fall semester 2019 and, and started planning some stuff out and um got the name and, and all of that stuff going um and we ended up putting on our first actual concert as alinea on October something 2019, which was the um, the George Crumb at 90 concert. It was around the, the time of his 90th birthday. We, we put together that as, as our first um, concert as an ensemble. We found Crumb to be kind of an approachable place to start. You know, not the weirdest stuff, but you know, someone who who we can kind of be like, hey, we're we're a new music ensemble and we're we're gonna get weirder. But like, here's Crumb to start off with if you if you want to hear some uh, and get our name out there a little bit. 
and uh it was it was cool i mean it was i don't know it was just such an exhilarating experience for us to have planned this and then to see it realized i mean because it was something we had been thinking about at that point for half a year or more and then when we did this concert and we had people come to it and we had like a whole you know thing it was like it felt like a real concert we were like this is crazy we could do this and then we just kept doing it from there that's fantastic. So, so was that that was the first concert where you were officially known as Alinea? Was that uh, you had one or two performances before then? Yeah, we had. I mean, all of us knew each other somehow when this got started. Mm-hmm. I had known Jack from the Summer Institute for Contemporary Performance Practice the summer before, and Robbie and I had known each other from freshman year and had written and written for each other and sung each other's work. And I brought sung his work. He played mine. Um, Alex and I had done a crumb piece the fall before. So we all had sort of like dabbled with each other in some way in duos and trios, whatever. Um, And so when it came time to like set a roster, we just pulled from the people we knew were already involved in what we were doing. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. So so then um, what sort of, when when with the first concert you did as Alinea, what sort of planning had to go into place i mean from what it sounds like it, it sounds like you 100 percent put it all together yourself right could you get into that a little bit yeah i mean i think first you have to to talk about what new music looked like at nec uh, it existed and actually with some really strong people involved but there were sort of three disparate camps who are all doing their own thing in their own series at different times and nobody talked to anybody else. And like, if you knew those people, you could get into doing new music at NEC, but you had to know them by name and they had to know that you were a good player and trust you. And there's like a whole like two, three year building process to be able to start to play new music in any real semblance of the form at NEC. And so our first concert, we realized just how many bureaucratic hoops had to be jumped to get off to get a concert hall, to get equipment, to get any amount of lighting. It's like, like these were all steps that we didn't process. We had to go through the school for. And so it was, I mean, email after email after email of like, hey, like, let's meet with the dean. Hey, let's meet with the, you know, the provost. Like, let's, let's talk about the things that we need here because we didn't realize just how much crap we're going to need on stage for this thing. <laughs> It's, it's a lot of emailing and it's a lot of, you know, who you know, you know, each of us from our own different areas of the things that we were doing at NEC and the people that we had been involved with before were able to have some sort of contact that was very helpful for us. So when we needed a hall, um, you know, people who had worked with um, like the room scheduling people and, and had the, the contact with the theory department to be able to reserve the room for a performance and then getting the instruments, you know, the instrument librarian and all of these things. So everybody brought a different piece to the puzzle. Um, and that's kind of the thing that we've, it's like a theme for us is that, you know, in the organization of the ensemble itself and the various roles that we do in addition to like the, like the, the, the management stuff, and then, you know, putting a concert together, everybody brings something else to the table as well. So it was just um, a really big like, collaborative effort in that as well. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember in grad school, there was a lot of trying to put things together where, like what you're saying, when there were more people involved, it often was a little bit more of a challenge, you know? So to kind of hear that you were able to, to like, pull together your resources and and your skill sets as individuals, you know, that's, that's, um, 
that takes a lot sometimes. <laughs> um, so, so then that makes me think too, with your specific roles within the ensembles is how did you figure out who should do what and, and, you know, where you're, where you would best fit or, or was it just like, yeah, I'll do this, whatever. Emma, do you want to talk about that? Emma knows this part really well. Oh, I don't know if I know this part really well. Uh, I mean, I just think it's, pretty obvious what all of our roles are just given who we are I don't think it was like oh should I do this or should you do this it was like okay I'll do the scheduling because I know those people and I'm happy to do it so I don't think it was super complicated I think it gets more complicated when everyone's really busy during school um and another thing to consider is like we did even though we were kind of doing our own thing within our school we did have the support of a lot of people at NEC, which was really amazing. And to be able to use their halls and stuff was really amazing. And we were kind of approaching this new phase of performing elsewhere and doing things not affiliated with the school right before um, the pandemic happened. So that will be next on our list because currently only two of us are even allowed in the school at all so we really can't do anything there um so yeah so that's kind of we did have a lot of support there which was really nice even though we had to jump through so many hoops it was still there for us to use yeah i see, I see what you're saying with that it's yeah there's always there's always those hoops when it comes to uh an institution or some some organizations but definitely colleges and stuff so here's here's a question i have with this is is when you when you assumed the roles that you had like whether it was grant writer or whatever what was and if, if we can kind of do like a round table sort of thing on this what was a barrier that you hit within your role that you were was either unexpected or you were like oh man i don't know how to solve this problem you know what i'm saying Right, we, I mean, we sort of fell into roles based on natural strengths, right? It was so who's, we, we give a talk at Sydney Conservatorium over Zoom in like September for these limbs comp class because they wanted to know how do you run an ensemble? And our honest answer was nobody runs it, right? We just sort of all do the work and share the work based on what we do best. Um, but I think in that we have all, I think we've all hit snags, at least I know for me, I have like trying to do work that somebody else is better at. Like every time I try and schedule something, it's never good. Like it, I, I'm awful at calendars, it's just not my strong suit. And so like, I know better than to leave that to me. I know to, to give that to somebody like, like Robbie or Emma who like know their calendars inside and out and can, can get people to respond. Um, so for me, it was like knowing where I was overstepping a boundary of what I was good at and saying, you know what? I will just do the thing that, that I do best. And I'm just gonna do that because that's enough. That's a great response, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of like go from how I see you on my screen. But uh, Emma, what, uh, what's your, what was your sort of barrier or like what, you know, reflections do you have on that? Um, I think this is actually a positive thing with our barriers. I think the thing that is really helpful is at different times we're all busy with different things and you know if Tyler needed to schedule something he would do it it wasn't I mean he would delegate it but it wasn't like okay if I said that you know I have all this other stuff going on but we really need to plan a rehearsal can you please do it Tyler he would do it so we would all um just 
kind of pick up the slack when needed. And we still do that, I think, um, pretty successfully uh, take turns picking up the slack when the other people are more, more or less busy with other things. Because as much as we would love this to be like our primary focus, a lot of us are still in school and have other gigs and trying to make living and stuff like that. So, you know, it have to just kind of roll with um, whatever's going on in everyone's lives. Yeah, oh, I love I love the balance that you're 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 presenting there with how it's like everyone just does their part as much as needed and uh, and and will pass it on to whoever you know like you said like delegating and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, what a what a democratic ensemble you are! It's fantastic. Uh, Alex, what what is your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I, I was going to talk a little bit about what Emma was saying too, just how. Um, you know, we we had things that were happening because, um, like, looking through the the history of our ensemble, we've existed in in different forms in vastly different times. So when we were all together in the same place, putting on live concerts, you know, it's one thing where we have the connections that we have in NEC, and and we can reach out to those people that that we know in order to get things done. Uh, and then we went kind of virtual and we were doing the the podcast and stuff over the summer and that was totally different where you know some people who were doing different roles were you know those roles weren't necessarily needed in the summer when we were doing something totally different and just kind of now when we're all in different places some of us still in school some of us not some of us online and, and none of us in the same place really then you know it's it's another totally different thing so being able to have that flexibility to adjust as needed um, has been really helpful but I mean uh, at least for me, one of the things that's that's changed with some of my roles is I was kind of doing like instrument stuff just because I'm the percussionist. That's kind of the vibe. And um, when we were looking forward to performing at venues outside of school or renting other places or, or things like that, um, you know, that just kind of changes a lot of, of things about how we get what we need to be at the places that we're going and you know that would have been a, a, a big challenge and it will be when we eventually get there but just from my world is, is how that's kind of evolved gotcha gotcha yeah that, that makes a lot of sense of course with uh the percussion player you're the instrument guy so <laughs> uh, i think we all know how that works pretty well uh it's in the job description yeah yeah it's in the job description <laughs> uh robbie what, what are your thoughts yeah, I'd like to put emphasis on what you said about a democratic role and the flexibility that each of us have. For example, this is just like jogging back my memory further in the concert series that we put on pre-pandemic. Um, we would do something like, hey, for this concert, for this piece, can you be the one taking the lead for scheduling rehearsals? Like, for example, for the Rebecca Saunders piece, uh, I was leading the coordinating rehearsals with the conductor and the rest of the ensemble that we had in that in that instrumentation and then leading that and then for and then for other pieces we had other people leading that and it was just all like being fair to everybody else in the ensemble to make sure no one's being overworked no one's doing too much that they're not asked that they weren't supposed to be doing and that even applies to over the summer too i'd say like especially um for for once we were editing all the videos, like for example, Alex was doing a lot of the iMovie, just assembling of everything, which is a really, really heavy job with a lot of work to handle. But then once he started school 
and then uh, there was suddenly much less time available to him. Then I took over some of the role for him, and it's Robbie awesome. saved my life. Robbie saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so then, uh, so then, while I w- I didn't start school yet, while well, when he did, so it was more I took on heavier leads since he's been doing so much of the work over the summer. I took on took on more of the video editing lead, and that it helped. And I kind of adopted like playing with the website after like for example Tyler had assembled the website first and now I updated it as we went on with the summer so it's all about like just communicating between each other and being open to wearing a lot of hats I guess I I'm getting the sense that uh Alinea is an ensemble that knows how to solve problems well it starts with one of us texting in all caps in the group chat like ah <laughs> <laughs> um and then inevitably the problem gets solved. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think I'm going to have to contact you if, if, uh, if there's a leaky drain in my apartment or something. I'm going to be like, I'm calling Alinea because they'll figure it out. <laughs> um, Jack, what are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, you know, uh, so I'm the guy that repairs the leaky drains in the arms now. <laughs> fantastic. There he is. <laughs> no, no, so I'm kind of the odd man out because I, um, so I joined Alinea in, in the summer. So um, I had played with them pre-pandemic, and then um, I was kind of asked to join later. So I haven't had um, a sort of space to fill those roles, but I, I'm looking forward to it soon. Right now, my role is kind of being the pianist that stays around. So um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm doing my best at that. <laughs> That's an important thing right there. I mean, uh, you know, piano, especially... I know there's a good amount of pianists who are apprehensive about inside piano techniques. Yeah. I'm not apprehensive. Um, I'm fine with destroying a piano, but I don't know. It's yeah. I, so I also uh, am not from NEC. I, uh, the neighboring school at Boston conservatory. So um, yeah, I have no, I have no problem with destroying their pianos. So, yeah. <laughs> is, is there, is there a healthy rivalry going on here? I, is there a rivalry? There, no. There's an imagined one at Boko. Everyone at Boko thinks everyone really? at NEC is pretend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emma, I mean, you made a face right there. You, you. Uh, I think there's something going on. No, no, no. I was just laughing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. Tell people at Boko that um, you know, they're loved too. They don't need to be. They don't need to be all worked up. Yeah, and no, I've been I've been uh, spreading the the peace message. There you go. Yeah. So may, but, may I inter- interrupt for saying that I've definitely utilized Boko violinist to collaborate on a new music piece just over the summer because we couldn't find a single NEC violinist to be willing to play new music with us. So I'd just like to make that super clear that Boko wins on willingness to play mm. new music. I long shot to be honest. Yeah, we, we, we have our own department there in contemporary music that I'm in. So it was really cool getting to see both sides um, and how the different approach at any scene and whatnot. It's, it's worth mentioning, the idea has actually been floated since our time at NEC about starting a master's in new music for, at NEC. They're, they're thinking about founding that program. I think they saw enough interest in the student body. I don't, I don't want to say through us, but we were just sort of the most verbal you know, participants in a long string of students were like, hey, I want to do this. Why can't I do this? So with the, the idea has been floated post-pandemic of starting that. Let me see. Um, 
Yeah, well, I have no doubt that your ensemble has, has, was a part of a, a kind of forwarding that conversation a little bit more, whether or not it's, you know, happening or whatever. But like, um, like the fact that you're, you the, the, see, the thing that made me so interested in what in your ensemble is, is how you just gracefully handed the quarantine with your with your podcast not only how you handled it, but you got like the top composers of the world on your podcast, <laughs> which was like, oh my God, Hyatt Chernowin, Bayat Fura, Rebecca Saunders, Ashley Fear. Like I, I was like, I was like, who are these people? <laughs> how do you say no to these faces? I mean, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like I said, you're an ensemble that knows how to solve problems. You, you saw a problem and you're like, well, let's do something with it. So let's let's talk about that. Um, I'm curious. So clearly, like I said, you, you handle it gracefully. Initially, when the when the quarantine hit, what was what was the like? Was there an oh shit moment? Um, we're screwed, or like you know, like tell we me a little like, bit about that. We had three performances canceled, um, including uh, heading down to New York. We were scheduled to play the Demena Center. Um, and that got axed as well as our final uh, season concert at NEC and then like a few other things so yeah definitely when everything went down we were like oh this isn't great which had a premiere from Haya also that we didn't get to do but hopefully we'll do in the future well yeah that that I have no doubt that'll happen was that uh, written for your ensemble no that was a piece written for the experimental studio of Highbrook um but it matched our ensemble close enough that we were like, hey, it's just been done and nobody in the States has done it. Y'all want to premiere a Haya piece? Mm -hmm. um, and so all we did was send an email to her in Studio Freiburg. Say, hey, we want to do it. Um, and the, the piece in theory, with the, actually the reason we picked Demena was because Demena has speakers built into the walls of the hall. Um, the piece takes eight surround sounds um, electronic channels and two from above the, above the hall facing down in the audience and then our sound is being pumped through the speakers alongside the electronics and it's all being manipulated from the board in the center of the room um, so it was like a piece we could do at Demena and have it really come off well and uh, we didn't get to see that through and so there was there were you know two weeks we all went home we were in our apartments and just sitting there we were like so let's start planning the next season like let's start thinking about pieces we're going to do in the fall um, and at the same time, we were like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we did actually, we have a plan. Like we, we, we spent a good while going back and forth, doing some listening, brainstorming, workshopping, just listening to music and finding pieces we wanted to play. And we actually, we crafted a season because uh, at this point it was still early March. You know, we didn't really know how, um, how the rest of the summer or, the fall would would pan out we didn't know how long this this thing would be lasting so we were operating under the assumption we'd be able to play music together in the fall and, and so we had a, a plan and then um as we we kind of looked at that plan and then looked at how things were progressing and started to get you know second thoughts and that's when we started to to pivot towards um something else and honestly that's something that we have not ever had time to do was to like actually listen to some pieces together and like and like just bring some new ideas to the table because we're all so busy. So it was definitely information that will be used in the future from this 
large list that we compiled. Sure. Yeah. Was that um, were, were the listening? Was it like a listening party via Zoom or? It it became that. It started as like a okay, put every composer and piece you've ever wanted to play or know in a Google Doc, and then it became a Google Sheets because we had to like start organizing it by something. And then it was like, a, okay, everybody go listen to six pieces that you didn't put and come back and we'll talk about it. And then go listen to six pieces you put and we'll come back and talk about it. Um, and that was, man, that was two weeks of like bi-nightly or tri-nightly meetings of us just talking about music, which was kind of a, a, how we got to everything with the kitchen sink because we were just sitting and talking about the music we loved. And we were like, oh, we, this is fun as it is. That's cool. I like that. I like how how it kind of it grew out of something that like wasn't even um, entirely planned for that to happen, you know. And I think that's how a lot of stuff sort of miraculously come to be, like some invention or something. Like I don't know, is how I invented the hammer. I I saw a thing and I wanted to put it through a hole, but it wasn't. I don't know. I can't even make it up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. You made the hammer and you put that thing through the hole. <laughs> we, That's uh, a one of the things that that really like really about with that podcast was we we had been talking about music as performers for so long, and it was a time when everybody like I mean we we are now because of the work that we do, but even more so then we were all just stuck to our computers, desperate to talk to somebody, and we thought if we're feeling like this as college age kids. I'm sure adult composers feel the same way, right? And I had I had done enough in my own like personal work, just sort of reaching out to composers, be like, hey, I really like your music. Can I ask you a question about this? Or like, why did you write this piece? I'm just curious. I had a question. Uh, and so I'd done it a little bit before, and I was like, you know, they're pretty responsive. Let's try it. They have to be bored, right? Uh, and turns out they were. <laughs> they said yes to a bunch of 20-somethings who said, hey, you... Uh, you have good music. Come tell us about it. Well, that's the thing that I, I love um, about how you did this was the entire world was in lockdown, basically. So you knew they were home. <laughs> it's not like they're traveling the world to like do performances or whatever at that point. So, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, I got you. Like, you kind of have to say yes. <laughs> right. Although, you know, we had an interview with Rebecca Saunders in late April, early May. And we were supposed to meet her on a Tuesday, or it's on a Monday. And she emails us a couple hours. Hey, sorry, I missed my train from Cairn. Can we do tomorrow? And I was like, you're traveling? She was like, yeah, I'm at the studio. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Germany must be nice. Yeah, there's the, uh, their own little ecosystem, I guess, that they're, they're functioning through. Um, so who's, whose idea did any, was there any one specific person who was like, this is what we need to do? Like a, a literal explicit statement of it for, for the podcast that is. I think Tyler proposed it Tyler. initially, right? Yeah, but I think Matt, Matt came up with the name. Um, and it like, it, it built, it was like a, let's just talk to people. And then it was like, well, can we write blog posts and can we make some playlists that go along with it and how are we going to do this so it built itself we, into something yeah we didn't know what it was going to be at first we were because it, it very much came organically like um 
I think it was Tyler who was saying earlier how we were just listening to a bunch of stuff and then we were just like, wow, this is cool that we're just like hanging out and talking about music we like. So it kind of started from there and then it added on with, the, oh, we should maybe see if they have any solos that we could record along with it. And then the playlist and, and the, the blog and everything kind of came up. But I don't, I can't remember one moment that was like, we're going to, we're going to make a, a video podcast series. I don't, I don't remember kind of when that happened. Yeah, it's um, it's one thing that I, I what you just mentioned, Alex, about the the solo performances and stuff. That was another thing that was like a brilliant add on to to what you were doing. Um, it's like, yeah, here's this podcast where we talk to these composers who write amazing music and ask them about it. And not only that, here's a performance from one of our members of the ensemble performing that piece by that person. Um, what a what a great resource you provided with that, and so one thought is is like you like uh, Tyler a moment ago you mentioned you know you've had some experience with reaching out to composers and they've been very receptive. I've had the same experience like when I've reached out to you know whoever and they'd be like yeah here you go here's the score or something or you know it's it's sort of an interesting thing in our world, but. Was there anything when it came to interviewing these composers, maybe in the beginning or something, but where you were like, I guess, uncertain about what, how you should, how you should go about doing this or? The first half. <laughs> like, but we got into a group, we started to figure it out, but the first two or three were terrifying. And it, you know, it didn't help. I, I thought it was going to be a good idea because I had worked with Haya before and I was like, let's start with Haya. We can do that. I know her music. I've sung her music. She knows me. And I sat down and I was like, uh, uh, so you write music. Um, <laughs> tell us about the, the, the bird in your backyard. And that was about as far as we got. Uh, and we were trying to do half hour blogs. We were trying to keep it short. We didn't want to take it too much of their time. You know, if you watch the later interviews, Ming Tsao was like an hour and a half of talking. And it's like, okay, so these people can talk. But we were trying to keep it short and we tried to have a plan. And then we realized that they just liked being asked questions about their music. They liked talking about it. It was fun. Some, awesome. some, some people talk more than others too. You know, we... There are some composers who you ask a question and they answer the question and that's it. There are some who you ask the question and then they answer the question in the span of 10 minutes while also telling 23 anecdotes and, you know, bringing up a few other things. So, I mean, we, we really... And talking about Lock and Mon. And talking about Lock and Mon. We, we really had to... I mean, we found this out early as we had to be... Um, flex, like, super flexible. You know, we could come in with a plan and the, and the way that it was structured kind of... I don't remember if we started out this way where we had like one person on point who would do like the most research beforehand and come up with like a game plan or if that started a little bit in. Um, but, you know, the person who would do the prep would would come and we'd, we'd discuss a few questions that we all had and, and the prep would be there. And then you could have a script of a few questions or however you wanted to prepare it. And then you can go in there and, and start and see what happens. You know, if you get to everything, then you get to everything. If you don't, then you don't. And it was really kind of... I mean, it's conversational, so it's not like you can, you know, take control of the conversation and drive it every which way. It, it's, you know, really a flexible thing and, and being adaptable, adapt, whatever that word is, was uh, important. I like I liked that what you said at the end there. Um, 
adaptable. Is that the word? <laughs> I'm rolling with it. I mean, I, it's <laughs> dude, don't worry. I I can uh, assure you that throughout many of these episodes I've done, there's been words that I just like make up, you know, <laughs> or or you know, plenty of of uh, brain farts and what have you. Um, we were we were doing our Lisa Lim interview, and I said a word. I had been drinking wine before the interview, and then I was drinking wine during the interview. So I'm the one leading the interview. By the end of this interview, I'm like verging on fairly tipsy. And Lisa and I are talking, and I said a word, and I saw all all first five of them go, and Lisa also went, and I just sort of kept moving. And I think she repeated the word, she thought about it, and she was like, okay, and then moved on. I didn't catch it, and then we got it. We always we we finished the interview. We say goodbye, we close the, the call, and then we immediately open another Zoom meeting and we start talking about the interview, how to, how to go, what we, we thought. And they all go, I'm sorry, what word was that? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I'm what? so sorry. Is the graphical, is that a word? <laughs> That's what it was, right? It was something really weird like that. It's historic, histographical, because I was thinking of historiography and I was like, there's gotta be a form of that, right? Uh, histographical is what I came up with. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I want to use that word now. I'll find a way. It's going to happen in this conversation. <laughs> there was there was one word that I, I kept running into. It was one of those things. It's like you don't notice it until you hear it, and then you suddenly notice it. And I'm trying to remember what it was. It was, um, I'll think of it, but there was one other word that caught my attention throughout the courses. I think it's fair to say, too, that you may have just come upon the name of your first album. <laughs> Historic. <laughs> <laughs> please no <laughs> please don't or the uh the historiographical tour of 2021 you know it was hierarchical composers love the word hierarchical oh yeah you know what else they love robbie actually mentioned this by about this eighth or ninth interview he was like dude everybody talks about time uh, <laughs> and this was something that like we didn't really anticipate being a common thread mm-hmm. but with the way time was passing during quarantine and with of course you know music as a temporal art it ended up being a huge conversation point for 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 the calls because inevitably the the conversation cycled back to so do you think about time and the answer turned out to be yeah 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 <laughs> all the time pun intended um how many composers mentioned Webern? A good handful. Um, I know Ming mentioned Webern. Um, I'm sure somebody else. Um, I'm sure Bayat probably mentioned Webern. Uh, anybody have any else? Any other memories? I'm looking through my notes. I don't. It would be like one. Com- it would be generally one composer would have one other composer that they would reference a lot. I mean, Lockenmann was the big one. <laughs> Tinny. Yeah. There, there, there are a few big names that composers say, okay, this is, this is their icon. Who was the most obscure composer that they had mentioned? There, it was, there wasn't so much, compo- you know, we had done pretty thorough research into every composer possible to ask that we wanted to ask. What, what became really obscure was we all, we had started ending the, the podcast, not till later in the, in the cycle, but we started ending it with, so what are you reading? And we got some obscure books. Bayat Fur was reading some like some book on like American economics. We were like, oh, okay. 
uh, and I mean, there were like there were some obscure topics thrown at us. Um, so they they read some some far out stuff. That's amazing. I would I would uh, very much like to hear that conversation. I didn't I didn't watch that episode. Is it is it included in the episode? Yeah, he mentions it. The, okay. the other the other one that that brought up the uh, probably the the topic the, the two that brought up subjects most far beyond what we do. You know, we talked to Aaron Cassidy right at the start of the racial reckoning in the states and so the like one of the first things he says was dude fuck new music um and then we just basically talked about run the jewels for the rest of the for the rest of the call the the rap duo um so and then do you started her call we asked her you know talking about form and how she gets her form she's like recently i've been watching stand-up comedy getting my form from stand-up comedy and so those two subjects were like sort of came it was like of all the things i thought you were going to say that wasn't high on my list of things i thought you were going to say (laughs) i appreciate that i'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy um there's uh you know spectral quartet in chicago string quartet i think they did an album where the composer or uh i can't remember but like someone uh wrote a bunch of pieces that they they uh use the cadences and rhythm and pitch contour of stand-up comedians and such. I can't remember who it was though, but awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's that, uh, um, that's their album serious business, right? Is it, I don't, sky, is it sky, sky McLean and David Remenick and Chris Fisher Lockhead? Um, sounds like some funny business to me. Is that, what's the, what's the one they just got nominated for, for the Grammy? Oh lordy! Anybody know Grammy Spectral Quartet? Yeah. Um, Tyler's the uh, the the search engine operator right now. Is, is Du Yun writing a piece that uh, like in a similar way where she's looking at stand-up comedians, you know, speech patterns and stuff like that? I think so. I think that's how she's approaching it. Um, just you know, she's looking at uh, there was a. There's a female comedian whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. I just released her Netflix special um, a couple months ago. And at the beginning, she tells the audience, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my form. Here's where the jokes are going to go. Here's what they're going to be about. Just so you know, you're still going to laugh. (laughs) Uh, And so she's using that idea as her form. A lot of it, a lot of it was around form, just the way the comedians set up jokes and allow for time for audience response and and things like that about how they're so the way that they go around and they test out material and you need to you know whereas the composer writes something and then it's performed the comedian writes some things tests it out makes alterations and all these things before the final product which is different every show of course but the you know if you get recorded for netflix or whatever that's like one thing so it was it was just kind of feeling out what works and and what doesn't as as kind of an important thing to keep in mind as a composer as, as opposed to just like writing and then that's it you know yeah i think in many cases it also depends on the composer because some people sort of some composers will retreat to their corners and just write the piece and others um will have to be really engaged with the performer throughout the process and try it out and then like it's like did pierre blaise ever really finish any of his pieces you know like he did so many revisions (laughs) or bruckner you know like (laughs) right right pierre you know taking the same material from a piece 20 years ago and saying yeah well not not quite what i wanted to do so i'm gonna write a new piece but it's gonna be the same material like pierre 
Like we don't need a second and third réponse. Like just let it go. Yeah. Uh, I think that comes with being a creative person, you know, like even as a performer, when you perform a piece again later in your career, uh, like, well, why are you performing it again? You know, not to say you shouldn't, but. Right. We've, and we've talked about that. There are a couple of pieces. Alex actually just texted me the other day. He had watched our performance of, of the George Crumb piece that we did three, three times. We performed it three times. Um, by, the, by the third round of rehearsals, we were like, dude, this is just fun now. This is just like. <laughs> uh, second nature and I think that is you know branching out from just the um, you know the sort of lockdown series what I think I've learned most with this band of of misfits is how to like how music is embodied in performance right there's a way that I watch Emma play and watch her physicality and know what that sound sounds like without her having to touch the hair to the bow the hair to the string that's how a violin looks um, right? <laughs> like like I don't need to know what instrument Alex is playing to know what kind of sound he's creating, right? There is an embodiment, there's an active physical engagement in the music that I think drew all of us together. Um, that's become really important to how we perform, particularly as young people. And that's been a really big part of our, of our development is saying, this is young music and we're young performers with the energy to actually take this and build it into our bodies in a way that is both physical and effective um, and also expressive. You know, we did uh, Shirino Estrada almost a year ago. A year ago today. A year ago, December 3rd. December 3rd, Are you 2019. kidding me? A year is ago it today. the 3rd? It my is God. Oh, my God. Happy anniversary. Thank you. It would have been right now we would have been prepping to, to on stage. Uh, it's a 45-minute piece, right? But everybody learned every damn second of it. Uh, and then, you know, you're on stage for 45 minutes together and... There are moments where I know I can trust my flute player. I know she's going to make this gesture right here because I know her as a performer and that will give me the momentum to take this line somewhere in which Robbie will pick up later in the bar, right? Like there's sort of that, the same way we hand off responsibilities and tasks and, and details in the running of the ensemble happens. It's learned from within the musical environment. Uh, and that I think has been a big push for us in learning each other as musicians is seeing that in both the professional and the musical realm of what we do. That's fantastic. It's, it's important that we're all friends. Oh, sure. And we're all just really willing to just do things. I think that's a big part of it also. We're just all passionate about it. And like, it's just really rare to find like a group that doesn't have like one person who's not quite putting in the effort or like, that just happens more commonly than everyone really pulling their weight. And yeah, I feel like even before our first official concert together, we all really trusted each other to pick up slack like that, um, just like we do in our planning and stuff. Yeah, really trusting each other. That That's, I mean, that's like exactly what uh, uh, Tyler said right there. Uh, clearly that resonates throughout your entire ensemble, that trust and um, kind of going back earlier in the conversation when we were talking when you were talking about delegating and like picking up the slack of someone else and being flexible and stuff uh that that sounds a lot like like you know stemming out from trust trusting one another to to be able to to fill this role when it needs to be filled and and do this thing and and uh you know um uh take one for the team if you have to right it's a weird very, saying very much so very no very much so it's like who's like I'm willing to sacrifice for this group. I mean, 
where we all know we're not going to be paid by this group for a while, mm-hmm. right? None of us are making money off of anything we do. Uh, but if you're listening and you'd like to give us money, our Venmo is alanea.ensemble. Um, kidding, we don't have a Venmo. We probably should. Um, but uh, look, we don't do it because we're making money or because we want to build a business out of this ensemble, right? We just do it because the act of playing together and of like of sharing that space and embodying that time as a unit is the privilege of of our music making. Ooh, that was beautiful. I like that. There we go. That's like the cherry on the uh, on the cake. Is that the saying? Is that how you say that? Cherry on the cake? That sounds wrong. Icing on the cake. Icing on the cake. God, I'm a jackass. English is just, just a bad language. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, talking about that, like that trust and performance, God, there was our first concert. We did, we finished the, the concert with Songs Drawn to Friends of Death by Crumb, um, which like is a hundred and some odd like, percussion piece set up. And it's a half hour and it's all in, in Lorca Spanish. And I was like, I'm going to do it memorized. And everyone was like, you probably shouldn't. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do it memorized. And I'm like, no, you probably shouldn't. Um, and so I did, but it was like down to the wire. And I think that was the thing that, like for me, like I'm just speaking on my part, like the fact that Alex and Matt were like, yeah, go for it. We'll, we'll, we'll follow you. We trust you. Like you want to cue a downbeat, cue a downbeat. Like just whatever you got to do, we trust you. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever experienced that in an ensemble of like, like we all hold each other right in the palms of our hands and say, I know where you're going with this and I will follow you. Like, let's do it together. That's been cool. So who else in the ensemble memorized the piece? Just Tyler. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's not, you know. <laughs> you know, I have, I have the privilege of words, though. Right? Like, words right, and right. associations help a good deal. And, you know, it's crumb. It's just me screaming Spanish to the audience for like a half hour. It's sure. also all in, it's all in D major, if you think about it. It's a manageable key. It's a manageable yeah. key right there. It's it's no C major, but you know. Well, <laughs> you can't compare much to C major. It's just, I mean, uh, shall it's, we say it's, it's at the top of the hierarchy? Yeah, it's pretty. It's good hierarchy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in C, not in D. I mean. Geez. Ooh, Terry Riley. Yeah, the man. Indie is the. Uh... The, the remix that uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's appropriate for this uh, for this podcast. Actually. Oh man, yeah, that's a whole other. Well, I don't know. This is the making noise podcast, man. Like we we can get rowdy. We can get rowdy. I think the Bart Simpson painting behind you, Jack, is uh, is a good representation of. Oh, uh, thank you. It's an original. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Can we can we get a view of it? Yeah. Am, am I am I imposing too much here? No no no. I've got my autograph on it and everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Fantastic. I love it. it was, Jack is like quietly the funniest person in the ensemble. Is like Jack will just like say or like or do shit during meetings, during rehearsals, and you're like, Jack, what are you what are you doing? Uh, it's great. Gotta be <laughs> subtle about it. Right. It's unassuming until it happens. And you're like, oh. That's the best kind. You, you, it's unexpected. And then it happens and, and you're there. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> that was that was also interesting. It was, you know, as we've we've like we've seen each other like this for the last nine months. This is this is how we've communicated. We haven't really seen each other in person. Um, 
And it's also, you know, we've gotten so into the Zoom personalities. It's also been interesting to like decipher the personalities of composers through how they handle Zoom. Mm. Like, do you even hopped on a call with like, like chaos in her eyes and a virtual background ready to go. And she was like, and like started talking from the down, like downbeat was given. And she was like, okay, let's, let's, let's joke. Let's have fun. And she was laughing. And she was like, like her personality was there across zoom and like others we get on and they're like, how can you, can you see me? Like, yeah, yeah, we got it. We're good. Um, this is really cool to like learn people, the composer's personality is mediated by this. Um, that was so much of what we wanted to create was not just, you know, talking to composers, but how do you collaborate? How do you like still have an artistic collaboration in some way, even if it's just dialogue based through a virtual medium? And then when you're creating music for that virtual medium, how do you use the virtual medium as a means of composition, a tool for experience and not just, okay, we're playing a piece that should be done live, but you know, we're also going to just do it here so you guys can hear it, but where this becomes a part of the art so that was that was what we were thinking about i i like that uh process right there and it's it's i mean it's unavoidable right now there's 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 definitely so much being created in this sort of format um i know for me it's been like god damn what do i do with this you know like trying to figure it out and uh still kind of stuck in the old model and and pivoting out of that um but like I said earlier, like you all have handled this gracefully as an ensemble, nonetheless, you know, like a, a whole group of people. But so that's one question I've had uh, or I've, I've thought is um, your ensemble, it's a nine, nine people. It's core six with three who float um, as, you know, they don't want any of the responsibilities of organization, but they play with us as consistent as they can. Right, right. Okay. So, so uh, could you riddle off just the, the core six uh, uh, members and instruments and then what the, the other three, you know, um, who rotate? It's just uh, Tyler is going to be our baritone. He does uh, all the fun, wild the vocal stuff that we've seen in Crumb that we've seen in Shirino. Um, I play the cello. Uh, Jack is our pianist. Uh, Alex is our percussionist. Emma is our violinist. And Matthew, who's not here with us, is our bassist. And then our core, and then our non-core uh, that we played with throughout the season have been Alexis, who plays the clarinet. He's really great. We've got Xiaoyu, who uh, uh, is our flutist. Is there another person? Was that was that three? And then Cassandra. Who oh yeah, and then we're managing. Yes. Right. There's a photo uh, on your site of her with the bassoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting one of her best friends jensen actually plays bassoon with us pretty frequently um she does the the management side of things she helps keep us together yeah that was uh one of the things that i loved when i, I watched your um uh, uh podcast with uh, or the in, the introduction episode when you talk about like what you're all doing and stuff and she's like yeah i'm the manager and i was like oh hell yeah that's a great idea <laughs> her her management skills are mostly just being like, hey, can you put this in a Google Doc so you all know what the heck you're talking about? I'm like, yes, Cassandra, we can do that. Or like, hey, can you actually schedule that for real? Like, yeah, thank you, Cassandra. So she's just sort of like the mom over in the corner who's like, you know, whipping us into shape every once in a while. When it. <laughs> she's great. It's great to have that. It's, I, uh, you'll have to get her a little name tag, like uh, Alinea mom or something or like... <laughs> 
you know when you when you go out to dinner as a group she'll order everyone's food for them (laughs) 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 um yeah that's that's cool though was that um plans like like did you decide like we need a manager or was it something like did she kind of come to you and be like hey i'd like to be your manager it's more the latter right it was yeah yeah because she was i mean she was interested in in gaining um like working with with a group or or something like that to have have the like another kind of resume thing you know it's it's a good experience to have for sure and um i mean we're, we're all good friends with her um, and so it was, it was, a, it was a match that, that was kind of very fitting and very needed at the time because this, um, she, she came along kind of around the, um, the January concert that we did when things were getting busy because we were also looking forward, um, to the concert that eventually got canceled, but we, we had to deal with personnel for that. Plus, um, going to play in New York and, and all of these other things and scheduling rehearsals for multiple pieces. So, so back when we were kind of juggling a lot more on our plate, um, it was really helpful for her to, to come along and, and handle um, a lot of, you know, the miscellaneous things for that one. Um, so, I mean, we, we definitely were kind of at a point where as the semester got busier, we, as, as the core had other things going on and, and it was kind of a, a stretch to really keep things locked down when we had a bunch of other stuff going on. So she was really helpful for, for kind of lightening the load on, on each of us and, and helping us, you know, figure out what the plan was. Yeah, and I, we also really appreciated her role evolving as the summer hit because she turned into a lot of helping us post the things to social media to actually get it out there while we were focusing on the interview stuff and handling that. So she's been really flexible and doing whatever is needed based on the time and the venue. Yeah, that's that's important. I... I, I um. I can definitely see the necessity for having someone who can take care of the, uh, I guess, administrative aspects of, of the ensemble so that you can essentially do your jobs as performers. Uh, how important and how amazing it is to have that. That's so great. I, I know for me personally, when I'm in a position where I can hire an assistant, I'm going to hire an assistant because I, I, there's some things where I like, obviously I'll do whatever I have to do, but um, sooner or later it's like, all right, I just, I want to compose. I want to talk to people. You take care of this other stuff for me. I'll pay you, you know, (laughs) you know, when that day comes sooner or later, hopefully sooner. (laughs) Yeah. What's Uh, nice is that, you know, Cass is one of Cass. I've never called her Cass. Cassandra. I don't know. Cassandra is one of our friends too. Right. So she's just as close in terms of hangouts and vibes. So it's not like this other extra person that we have to be like, okay, we're professional selves with her and we're an ensemble together. It's just, we're just ourselves all the time with everybody who's involved. It's been cool. That's great. Yeah, totally. Um, having that, that, that strong camaraderie. So you want to hear a fun story about this ensemble? Please. Um, we, when we were first doing one of, one of our first concerts together as a real group with multiple of us in the same piece, when we did the Ligeti April of 2019, we were supposed to do it on one concert in Jordan Hall, and the uh, the conductor, Stratis Manikakis, who teaches here, composition here at NAC, who is fabulous and a wonderful music advocate, uh, he he was all set to go. And then Steve Drury, one of the other new music guys at school, was like, "Hey, do you want to do it on my concert? Like a week and a half later." 
by email Ortiz. I was like, hey, Steve wants us to do the piece again. And Ortiz emailed back a, like a selection of words that have become some like Zoom passwords have become like <laughs> mottos for the ensemble. I know I shouldn't have said that out loud. Don't tell her. Now we have to change it. Uh, Stratis emailed back with a wonderful period at the end and nothing else in the body of the email. Fuck yeah, anything for Steve. Um, and so, you, I mean, you don't know Steve Drury, so that's, you know, the, the joke falls on its face there, but just like that is, yes, Jack knows Steve very well, Jack is <laughs> a student of Steve. Um, but anyway, that's just your fun little multi-word phrase that describes all is Fuck yeah, anything for Steve. That's great. Is that, so Steve Drury, this name sounds really familiar. Who, who is Steve Drury? Jack. He's a legend. I mean, he, he's he's a pianist. He's a conductor. Um, but you know, worked with Cage, worked with Shevsky, worked with Wolf. You know, he's kind of like, yeah. It, it's funny because I um, one of my introductions to new music was listening to this uh, Cage of John, uh, this disc of John Cage, early piano stuff, like the the sort of the the cheesy cheesy you know in a landscape dream the real, really early beautiful sort of modal stuff and uh it was steve playing it and i i didn't know this when i was like 12 and now i'm a student of him but uh yeah you know personally he's um he's a character <laughs> <laughs> that's what, an understatement what is something uh what is what is an interesting experience with steve that you've had oh god so uh this was a good one so um this summer, I, um, I, I overcoming an injury right now, and um, you know I was calling Steve about it, and he was like, you know, oh, t- t- take a t- take a week week off. Um, I was learning Schoenberg Opus Eleven Number Three. Um, he was like, oh, take take a week off that, um, and then I like I took like three days, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna start working on it again, and um, I'm practicing for five minutes, then I get a text from him. Naughty boy, I told you not to practice that. And it's like, what? Because <laughs> you know he lives in another part of Boston. I'm like, how, how does he know? So yeah, it turns out his friend was walking by, heard me through the window, recorded it, sent it to him, and he's like, there, there's only one person in Boston learning Schoenberg Opus Eleven Number Three right now, and just had to text me about it. But it was like, I was like, I'm boarding up my windows for the next <laughs> not practicing in you know earshot of anyone for ever again that is incredible he's everywhere <laughs> literally yeah. everywhere steve and i used to go to the same coffee shop in the morning and he would usually come in like five or ten minutes after i like there at six he'd get there at six ten, and he <laughs> he walked in one morning and he like f- from across the coffee the, the quiet coffee shop in the morning he goes boke do you improvise? And I was like, uh, not yet. He was like, okay, good. You're going to got like picked up his coffee and walked out. And I was like, cool. Great. So Steve will just accost you at any moment and you never have any idea when it's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's good. It's good. I, I have to, I have to say, I, um, I would love to have, I would love to hear, a patron of that coffee shop who's a non-musician, I would like to hear their reflection on that conversation. 
just some guy being like do you improvise good you're going to there's there's a lot of people i wish could just give their like unfettered opinion on meeting steve dre for the first time i don't know what that's like should that be the name of this episode <laughs> what's it like no <laughs> don't don't give him more credit than don't that. don't boost his ego <laughs> right <laughs> nobody said this to him <laughs> Now, now I'm tempted to only send it to him. <laughs> don't worry, I won't. I don't even know the guy. Um, yeah, that's 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 an interesting experience right there, and it makes sense too. I, the dude was rocking with like John Cage, Wolf, Jevsky. Like those are those are some people who were who were doing all the wild stuff. Uh, they were doing like the most out there things that that even people today are are mad about you know? you know in a in a sweet moment of vulnerability he once asked me on an email he said while you, when you have time send me a list of composers you all listen to because i don't want to fall behind the times mm. uh and you know what's the important point to draw back here to all of us is that what started off as us just playing living composers has become a thing like it wasn't intentional it wasn't uh like we didn't say, okay, we're not playing people who are dead. Uh, it just started off that way. Um, and we've just kept going. Um, and I'm sure we've, we've often joked that one day we'll do a, like a classical master's concert and we'll do Ligeti and Stockhausen and we'll, like, we'll do Cage and we'll go back and do, you know, the, the old masters. Because mm-hmm. um, for us, that, those are the old masters. Those are people who we passed through in our development and said, okay, that's cool music and now I want to play are alive um and so i don't know it's become a talisman for us like we just carry that 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 fact around like we're all only playing people who are like who we can talk to it's so interesting to hear that um thinking about the fact that like stockhausen barrio ligety they're not living right and and but you still think of them as contemporary composers you know um, in, in many ways, because like they're the ones who are still people are still trying to figure out and whatnot. Um, but I like that. I like that you're 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 viewing it as like, well, these are the masters of what came to to where we are today or how we got to where we are today. And so now we're going to focus on this and, and just and just dabble in that area right there. Here's here's a question. What what composer? <clears throat> I'm gonna. I want to ask someone specific. Uh, Emma, what composer would you want to perform with Alinea pre-1900? Not perform pre-1900, but what composer from pre-1900 would you perform? Uh, let me think about that. Does anybody <laughs> have an answer? For, no, no, no. This is you. This is first one. I'll I don't have one. I'm really don't have one. I did not like expect this kind of question. Right, right around the time, like 1602, 1603, 1604, in Venice and Verona, you have a group of Italian composers what? who are writing what, what, became, what, was, what was called the uh, Seconda Pratica in madrigal writing. Uh, and so yeah, it's a time okay. when you're looking at... Okay, I, like, I buy that. The, the, it's, it's the first iteration of text painting, but it's also microtonal tunings in, in old Italian traditions. It's developing of scales beyond, you know, it's like equal temperament is being born, but they're also finding other things. Monteverdi is like, re, like redesigning form. Jeswaldo is still alive. He's young and he's just 
killed his wife. So like we're at the peak of when like these composers are like on the brink of something. It's a time when something's about to happen um, and they're experimenting with everything. The reason I had trouble answering this question also is because this ensemble is specifically created for our outlet yeah. for new. And like I do, we all play other stuff. And I just played some Haydn and Mozart a couple of weeks ago. And, but that's not for this group. <laughs> just, I mean, maybe that'd be cool, Tyler, but you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's why I had trouble. I, I'd want to do Pythagoras, definitely. Bro. Was he even a composer? Yeah. He was? Oh. Yeah, he wrote the monochord, yeah. Yeah, I know he developed a lot with uh, um, ratios and uh, tuning ratios and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just being obscure. That, that is a, an interesting, that would be an interesting thing to do, though, is play only using that exact, you know, like what if you only played the D string uh, at like D4 or the, the D key on D4 and you just like harmonic it up. Harmo right. See, there's a word, harmonic. Harmonic. Right. Uh, you know, I I'm super into like just intonation stuff, but I play the piano, unfortunately. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jack actually led our interview with Cat Lamb for that reason. Like Jack, when we when we got Cat to say yes, um, Jack was like, "Please, please let me do it. Please can it be me?" Uh, so that's been fun. But like, we all have our favorite composers we all wanted to talk to, uh, which is just like a cool fan moment. Yeah, yeah. What was uh. Uh, Robbie, who was your composer? Duyun was one of the, the highlights. She <laughs> was so fun. Also, Marcus Balter, he was super, super fun too. Two, uh, two awesome people. I studied with Marcos in my undergrad, um, and uh, uh, I met Duyun a couple times because they're both, you know, they're both pals and stuff. So, did you yeah. go to Mont you go to Montclair? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Montclair. I'm originally from New Jersey, so. When did you graduate? 2015. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, 2015. I had I had a really obscure college career, so uh, it's, were you yeah. were you there when they brought the Ash Fury Opera to Montclair, or was that after your time? Uh, that was after, but I went to the performance. Did you? You went and saw Force of Things. Yeah, awesome. it was uh, it was literally immersive because it yeah. is immersive. <laughs> yes, it is that massive airplane wire like straight through the room and all those resonators the bit the foot of it's awesome did you get to experience it nah i've only studied it yeah i saw i went to i did my master's in bowling green ohio and uh the it wasn't the premiere but they did a performance at in ann arbor michigan in ann arbor michigan where the university of michigan is is like i don't know an hour away from where i was so i went to that performance and then however many months later, like a year or so later, it was at Montclair. So I drove to Montclair because it's like, that was my alma mater. My mom still lives in New Jersey. Um, and uh, so it was, it was cool, like, you know, because it wasn't the same piece at all. Even the whole setup of the stage was different. Um, yeah, I love her. She writes amazing music. Um, and yeah, that was, it was an insane experience for sure. I'm actually curious to know what everybody else's favorite composer was. Like, I do want to know, like, yeah, what was the one that you were most excited about? Alex is thinking of the series of the series. Like, do you mean our, our favorite experience speaking with? Uh, 
Not to pick favorites, of course. Oh, yeah, I love them all. Who who was your least favorite? Oh, <laughs> I'm not trying to spread. No, the... nobody. Well, we answer. can't say I that. Know, I know your answer. Stop. Nobody no. answer. <laughs> nobody no. said definitely. It. No, no, they were all very, very sweet, very, very uh, incredible to talk to, and I mean. I, I should be fully frank. I haven't heard of some of these composers before we did this, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I'll, the example of like Tyler is extremely well-versed in, in all of them because he knew how to reach out to them. I, I didn't know some of them. And so getting to learn about them and, and speak with them and hear it from them was an amazing like learning experience. And just the things that we all learned about music through them in, in different capacities was, was incredible. So, I mean, they, they were all, they were all amazing. Yeah, that's that's a, a great response. Um, have you do any of you know Alberto Posadas? Of course, his string quartet is just like unbelievable. Liturgia Fractal. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I would love if you get him on the podcast. <laughs> I'll I'll watch it. Every, I'll I'll be like every view you have would be me. So <laughs> deal. I just deal. had to throw that out there. Also, if you perform one of his pieces, I'll be at that performance, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was so amazing. I mean, I I watched the episode with Rebecca Saunders. Uh, I checked. I skimmed through the one with Marcos because like that was my you know my guy. Uh, Evan uh, Evan Johnson and uh, there was another one. Who was it? I can't remember. It's interesting when you get to talk to people who you know like so intimately through their work and then actually experience them as a person, like like celebrities even, you know, well, especially celebrities, but like in a way, you know, composers or, or performers in our world, it's like these people who we see through a specific lens. What point with these interviews did you have did was there a point where you're like holy crap i can't believe i'm talking to this person and like it just sort of took you over and you couldn't get out of that was there ever a point for that with any totally of you? The, the moments for me were always like you know because i had i was the host i, I, I have the alanea account on my on my zoom so i would host these meetings and like we'd be chit-chatting we'd all be like nervously talking beforehand and then like rebecca saunders has entered your zoom room and i was like ah no Please don't make me do this. Um, those moments were always were always pretty overwhelming. And also when they're like connecting to the audio and we're all just like You're waiting like, for ah. them to speak <laughs> and looking at each other. It was really just like six fangirls sitting in a Zoom room like, hi, so nice to meet you. Hi, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I would be in the same, same headspace as that. I, I you know, just... Not knowing what to do. The, the weird one was Tim Rutherford Johnson because I had read his book like this. He was the one non-composer of the bunch. He was the musicologist. I had read his book and I was like, I feel like I know your words so well. And then he got on. I was like, like, what do I ask you? Like, I've read your book. What, what more do I want to know? <laughs> um, that was a weird one. That was a weird moment. It was also interesting to see kind of some of the responses that we were getting as we were posting some of these things up and people were reaching out, you know, people who had just came across it for whatever reason and, and reached out with, with something or another. We've made a few different collaborations and I mean, Tim put us on his, his blog, which was super cool. And there was even a brief mention from Alex Ross, which was super cool. And, you know, it's just like, 
wow, how is our little thing kind of spreading out like this? And it's, I don't know, just one of those things, I guess, you know, you never knew it would happen until you did it. And we're really glad we did. Yeah. You know, Alex, the moment like that, that was that for me was when we got the score from Richard Barrett, right? When Richard was yeah. like, hey, here's the piece I wrote for you. And we were all like, what? What, yeah. have we, what have we done? Like, yep. what, have, what monster have we built? And and Michael, Michael Fennessy, yeah, you know, when he right? sends us a thing and we're like emailing back and forth about how we're going to put it together. And we're like, we're workshopping with Michael Fennessy right now. It's like casual. Did, did, uh, did that come through, come about from the podcast or was there anything beforehand? I knew Michael beforehand. Emma and I had played one of his pieces together with him there the summer before and so we we knew michael in that way um but both michael and richard said i don't want you to play a piece of mine i want to write something new for this i want an excuse to be collaborating um and so what were we going to say no <laughs> um, <laughs> it was awesome yeah it's like it's like no man like we got other things we got to do <laughs> like i have anything else to look forward to right now that's funny oh yeah yeah, what a great opportunity right there. Um, so then from looking to the future, uh, do you think you're going to continue the podcast? Like, like, I mean, well, actually, let me let me back that up. Um, are you all in, you're all in Boston, right? No, clearly, Some I don't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> we want to do the go around saying of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, if you would. Jack. Yeah, no, I'm in Boston. I'm finishing up my master's. That's at um, uh, NEC, right? No, I'm at, I'm at uh, Boston Conservatory. That's it, Boston. Yes, you said yeah, that earlier. Just oh. down the street. The, uh, the, the stronger of the two, right? Mm, <laughs> that, that's not the reputation for it, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tyler had a face like, bro, are you serious right now? <laughs> no, no, we... Uh, my school no went beef. bankrupt no in 2015 and got bought by Berkeley. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. I'm just messing around, by the way. Just having fun. <laughs> uh, Robbie, where, where are you located, man? Yeah, also Boston. I go to NEC. Gotcha. The stronger of the two. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to be promulgating this. You <laughs> start some shit. <laughs> <laughs> you should... Um, if it, if it means anything, my girlfriend's always mad at me, so... Because this is exactly what I do. <laughs> Can we meet your girlfriend? Can You, you want to meet her? We'll, we'll have a lot in common. You probably will, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring her on, yeah. Um, Alex, where are you from? Uh, I'm, I'm from Boston. I, I finished up my, my undergrad at NEC, and I'm at uh, Rice in Houston currently. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, uh, you're probably having a decent experience with weather down there, man, right? Not too bad. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm from Boston. And I've lived there my whole life, um, and it is currently 52 degrees outside, and this is probably the coldest it's been. How crazy is that? Living, being Pretty from the wild. Northwest, and now you're in this area where it's Christmas time. Yep. You're like chilling yeah. in like a shirt, like a t-shirt. You know. <laughs> I know it's it's so weird. It's it's awesome though. I mean, I, I people around here are sick of it, and they're like ready for it to be cold, and they like go into like the winter or whatever, but. Nah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> At least for a few years, it'll be. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. You, you're uh, you'll you'll hit that point sooner or later, probably. <laughs> uh, Emma, where are you located? I'm in Boston. I graduated 
last year for my undergrad and I'm not in school right now. So I'm the only one. <laughs> oh, and Matthew Arbasis is in San Diego at UC San Diego. Really? Wow. Okay, cool. Wow. So you guys are traversing the country. Right on, right on. All right, Tyler, where are you located? Finishing up my undergrad at NEC. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Yeah, so primarily still Boston-based. It's so funny how there's like Boston and then San Diego. Alex is down in the middle in the south. Like, like wait, <laughs> you'll have to get someone like up, you know, Montana area, someone in, in uh, Nebraska, like right in the center of the country. <laughs> Right, we just gotta well, throw it out. <laughs> well, Alexis is somewhere in back home in the plains, and then Xiaoyu is in the middle of China. So I guess that'll count. You are international yeah. corporation. Exactly. Uh, you're gonna have to remind me. There was a reason we did all this. What? What? Where were we going with this? We were just doing a round of introductions so people people who've listened know who's been talking, right? Know what we do, who we are. Uh, there was another reason later, but I don't know what it was. There was, yeah. I, I asked um, what the next step was for the uh, if the podcast, but then there was something else. I, yeah, I mean, the, the, the podcast is going to take a new form moving forward. We're going to start doing some collaborative pieces that are built on virtual mediums um, for all of us that were existing pieces, and we will interview the composers, but it's more about spotlighting an ensemble work. So currently, we're finishing up work on Pamela Z's 20 Answers. Uh, which is Magic 8 Balls, and like we're all recording separate tracks and layering. Uh, and where the future lies in terms of performance, we have no idea. Uh, and the point is that we're all here doing this, committed to doing this together. And whatever 2021, 2022 throws at us, being across the country, whatever it is, wherever we end up, uh, the reality is that we'll keep doing this for as long as we can because it's what's making us happiest now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I love that uh, you, you're just focusing on, on what you can do right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and keeping an open mind, how important that is in this time. Because I mean, all of us, all of us have been in this ridiculous, just insanity of a whirlwind of the year 2020, <laughs> you know? It's been, it's been fun to bring some amount of collaboration, even if it's this way into the year to find something something to, to make joy in totally totally well you you definitely did that with the podcast and um i i honestly am psyched and and can't wait to see what what sort of things you have cooking and what's going to come next well, adam this has been awesome thank you for having thank us. you this so much so thank much you. fun Thanks this has been great yeah yeah no no i i appreciate you all coming on your professionalism and uh everything that you have to say um and and for having some 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 laughs with me too uh always important always. yeah mm-hmm. you can see i'm a i'm a pretty uh pretty goofy guy so <laughs> <laughs> before before we stop this though is there anything that you want to tag at the end here any like um you know social media or if you've got any kind of like things planned like a zoom performance or something yeah, I mean, you can find all our socials, Alanea. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, YouTube is obviously where you can find the podcast. We're actually, I'm working on one of my projects that I'll do over over the winter time is is putting the audio of the episodes up on an actual podcast so we can get it on like Spotify and such. So we can take the podcasts to go. So that'll that'll come soon. Um, website is alaneaensemble.org. 
Um, coming soon-ish is the Pamela Z. Um, we're, we're in the process of, of recording that. We've got a few other things in the works that will hopefully uh, manifest at some point. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Check out the website, follow us on yes. socials. We'll keep posting um, and keep listening to this podcast because it's doing awesome things. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. You, you're, <laughs> you're all a bunch of sweethearts. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> well, Adam, go enjoy the rest of your evening. This has been so much fun. I will. Hey, thank you all. And uh, enjoy your night. We'll talk very soon. Yes. Take Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.